Achieving a gorgeous grin from home isn't a total mystery with Byteclear aligners. Just don't be surprised if all of your sleuthing friends start asking, what's your secret? Begin by ordering your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95. Byteclear aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces. Plus, they offer flexible financing, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at That's Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. That's not just the sound of that first sip of Morning Joe. It's the sound of someone shopping for a car on Carvana from the comfort of home. That's a good blend. It's time to take it easy, like answering some easy questions to get pre-qualified for a car in minutes. Talk about starting the morning right. Just like customizing your terms so your car fits your budget. Mm, mm, mm. Visit Carvana.com or download the app to experience car shopping the way it should be. Convenient. Comfortable. Ah. Broadcasting from Resistance Headquarters. Relentlessly fighting back against the clown dictator and his regime of deplorables. Never give up. Never surrender. This is the Bob Seska Show. Presented by BubbleGenius.com. From our nation's capital, it is Wednesday, July 3, 2019, and this is the interview edition of the Bob Seska Show. Thanks for joining us today. My guest is the great Bruce Bartlett. You probably know Bruce from his scathingly anti-Trump tweets and Facebook statuses, but you might not know that Bruce was a top advisor in the Reagan and Bush 41 administrations, too. He served as the executive director of the Joint Economic Committee, and later Bruce served as a senior policy analyst in the White House's Office of Policy Development. He went on to work at the Treasury Department as a Deputy Assistant Secretary for Economic Policy, and he's the author of Imposter, How George W. Bush Bankrupted America and Betrayed the Reagan Legacy. Today we'll talk about why the Republican Party has disintegrated to the point of elevating Donald Trump, the impact of Fox News and the Gingrich Revolution, and so much more. All right, let's talk with the great Bruce Bartlett. You know, I've been dying to ask you this question, and it's a loaded question, so feel free to take your time answering, but what in your estimation, happened to the Republican Party? How did we reach this place where a failed businessman, a draft dodger, and a tacitly anti-Christian reality show diva with questionable motives and a brittle ego, how did this character become the messiah to the GOP and 40% of the voting population? Well, I don't know the, that answer specifically. I know that uh, it's part of a trend that, that yeah. dates back at least to uh, the early 1990s, I think that uh, Newt Gingrich in particular uh, wanted to move the Republican Party to the right, yeah. uh, and, and uh, he wanted to, to increase his influence and power at the same time. And I think that, the, uh, the, that George H.W. Bush was destroyed in 1992 over a rather trivial tax increase. Yeah. Uh, to, to bring that about, and, and, and it worked. Uh, just two years later, uh, Gingrich became Speaker of the House, and one of the things he did was he began to systematically destroy the, the, the institutions of, of Congress mm-hmm. uh, that were uh, devoted to analysis and research uh, such as the Congressional Research Service, and he he abolished the Office of Technology Assessment and other things of that sort, and consolidated power in the Speaker's office, fired thousands and thousands of 
committee uh, staffers who had, you know, deep knowledge and expertise on policy issues. And and I think that uh, he, you know he and that was when you started to see this glorification of, you know, the average man, the common man, mm-hmm. and 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 Fox News picked this up and made it part of its mantra. You know that yeah. you don't need to don't know anything about anything to to run government, and Fox, of course, was in, in, instrumental in making uh, Trump a. Uh, a, po- a political figure. I mean, he'd been yeah. obviously uh, well known for a great many times, but, but he, uh, you know, they began. He had did this call-in thing mm-hmm. to the morning show, uh, Fox and Friends, and they began asking him questions about politics, and he began, uh, you know, spouting off the top of his head as he always does, and and I think there's kind of a, a straight line there to. 2008, when uh, uh, Sarah Palin, you know, came on the scene, and I think she was really uh, the proto-Trump, yeah. uh, you know, completely ignorant, stupid, and, and proud of it, and 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 her followers uh, defended her and and uh, loved her precisely because of her ignorance and stupidity, which of course stands in contrast to people with knowledge and expertise and education yep. who have somehow or other ruined the country. And, uh, and then the tea party came along and, you know, there were like, you know, the shock troops of, you know, like the French revolution really, you know, and they were just there to tear down, you know, their belief is that everything wrong in society is caused by government and smashing government will, will fix things. Yeah. And, and so, you know, it just seems to me that, you know, you, and then of course the uh, Obama just brought out the latent uh, racism uh, that has been out there yeah. for such a long time that so many of us thought um, had been dead and buried and, you know, you've had this, you know, so this monster has been created of, of racism and stupidity, and, and Trump, uh, you know, personifies it. What happened? I mean, what created the divergence where the Republican Party used to be driven, you know, most politics in America were driven by uh, policy, uh, legitimately. But what happened? Mm-hmm. What happened when it kind of bifurcated and became more about uh, political cynicism and and manipulation? When did that divide take place, or was it a slow, gradual process that kind of happened organically? The rise of Newt Gingrich and eventually leading to uh, to, to Bush forty three, and then Palin, and so on, and creating that continuum of stupidity uh, at that level. Where did that divergence on the road take place, in your estimation? Well, one of the things uh, that we saw under Newt uh, was was uh, his personal corruption yeah. and greed. You know, had a great deal to do with what he decided uh, was was policy, and 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 it became very ever more important for Republicans to hold power for the sake of holding power, and that is, and and what they use this power for increasingly is simply personal enrichment. Yeah. And, and, and so what you got is this kind of uh, uh, system where the Republicans are, are raising vast amounts of money. There's a huge amount of money sloshing around the, the periphery mm-hmm. of the Republican Party. I'm talking about political action committees and think tanks 
And many of these are just, um, you know, shadow organizations. They raise money from really stupid people and they pay themselves enormous salaries and all the rest of the money goes into fundraising. Uh, I, I forget his name. Who was that uh, uh, pollster that um, that Clinton hired and then uh, Frank you know, Gingrich? Frank no, Lutz. no, not Luntz. Oh, okay. Um, Oh, I know, I, I know. You're. T- oh my God, I know you're talking about. And uh, uh, oh Dick, shoot, uh, Dick Morris. Dick Morris. Yes, Dick Morris thank you. was one of the ones who really showed how to do this, and mm-hmm. and he did a lot of it. And 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 so now you and 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 also a lot of Republicans have this idea that you know even serving in Congress is just a stepping stone to. Being, becoming a lobbyist, and, mm. and that's the payoff. That's the ultimate payoff. Uh, you're just in it for personal enrichment. Uh, you don't really care what government does as long as it, 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 it builds you a nice stepping stone to an ultimate career as a lobbyist uh, in which you will make enormous amounts of money. And so personal corruption you know, really drives so much of what they are doing and why they're doing it. And so it's, it's, they're constantly looking for ways to uh, make the lobbyists happy. I mean, uh, you talk about po- the, the absence of policy, the, the 2017 tax bill, you know, w- was just driven by what, it, what do the lobbyists want? We don't care whether it makes any sense or not. Mm-hmm. We don't care how much it hemorrhages revenues. It's all about giving the lobbyists what they want so that they will give us campaign contributions and hire us after we leave office. It's, uh, so I think corruption is, is the thing that ties a lot of this together. Yep. And of course, of course, Trump is not only the most corrupt president in our history, but he's shameless about it. Yeah. <laughs> he does so much of it mm-hmm. that you can't even keep track of it. I mean, who else would make his son, his daughter, you know, a White House staff person, bring her to major international conferences and, and treat her as if she's a world leader? Yeah. yeah. You know, I mean, this is just incredibly embarrassing for the country. <laughs> Absolutely. And he hires the most hack, stupid, incompetent people. <laughs> Half the people in, in, in the cabinet are, are, are ex-lobbyists. You know, half of them are still on the payrolls of the companies that they, they previously represented. There was just a story today that Heather Nauert, who was the U.N. No, no, she, that was, she didn't make it as the U.N. ambassador. She had been an, a, an assistant secretary at the State Department, was on the payroll of Fox News while she was doing this job. Yeah. And they, they just bully the ethics people into saying, oh, no problem. I mean, Kellyanne Conway was was uh, uh, said she was uh, uh, the ethics top ethics official in the government. Said she had violated the ha- uh, the Hatch Act, and yep. Trump said, "No, no problem. Mm-hmm. She can stay. Yeah, nothing yeah. happened. Nobody cares." Yeah, these- that's what the, the the most frightening thing is. Nobody cares. Yep. Yep, and that's my biggest concern, Bruce, is that Donald Trump is exposing all of these loopholes in the system. All the things that, that you and I and so many other people observed about presidential politics, th- places where the president just should not go. And if the president went there, he would be rapidly yanked back from that position. That's the assumption we all operated under for, for decades in this country. But now Donald Trump is proving 
that if you go there, there's really nothing to draw you away from that line. Nothing to draw you away from exposing all of these these loopholes in the system. I mean, how do we fix this? Uh, God knows I have no idea. I mean, we we depend upon rule of law, and we depend upon a justice department that will enforce the laws. And when you appoint incredibly corrupt people to to be uh, the the lawyers and the prosecutors, and they just look the other way at at criminal activity, there's there's no other, there's nothing to fill in the gap, you know? And uh, and I I do believe that the media is very much at fault here. Mm -hmm. They normalize a lot of Trump uh, activity by reporting it in such a bland way that it's like, you know, uh, so what? Yeah. You know, I mean, I mean, if no, if the people who know this stuff intimately and care about it, uh, shrug their shoulders, then you can't blame the American people from acting the same way. Yeah. And I think the Democrats are partly at fault here. Uh, they, 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 they put all their eggs into the basket of, 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 of Mueller mm. and they thought, oh, when the Mueller report comes out, this will, this will finally put Trump in his place. <laughs> and it came out and once again, everybody just shrugged their shoulders That's right. and, uh, and Mueller himself, I think, uh, did a very poor job of, uh, handling the, this whole, uh, thing. He did it in, in a very clinical uh, matter of fact kind of way that I think intentionally made it seem boring, yeah. quite frankly. And uh, so, I mean, there, I, I don't, I mean to, you know, blame the victim here, but I mean, there's a lot of blame to go around. Oh yeah, sure. Sure. What, I mean, what do you think about Mueller's uh, decision to to take more of a traditional approach toward this? And this is something that actually I can say, and 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 you you've kind of said it already about the media too, which is this this attitude that we should continue to behave as if everything is normal, despite the extreme abnormality of this current administration and president. I mean, that seems to me as if it it encourages it. And in fact, allows people like Donald Trump to continue to pants everyone uh, who's behaving like that because they're operating on a different paradigm than he is. And that's giving him an advantage. Don't you think? Oh, absolutely. Um, I don't know. I don't want to tell Mueller his job, uh, but uh, you know, I, I think maybe if he wasn't quite so, so up, up, upright and, yeah. and honest, he could have perhaps leaked his report a little bit at a time, mm-hmm. in which case it would have gotten you know huge headlines. Instead, he releases the whole thing at once, all the juicy parts are blacked out, and then he closes up shop and goes home. Uh, I mean, it's hard to think of a way he could have done this that would have been better designed for Trump's purposes to to make the whole thing fall flat. And that's exactly what happened. In fact, he allowed uh, Bill Barr to take it and run with it and to completely propagandize it. Uh, and, and yes, create that's a, correct. Create a spin that circulated the earth several times before we you know, Mueller got his pants on. Um, and it was one thing I noticed, too, and we're talking about loopholes here. Uh, did you see the news earlier? Trump intends to defy the Supreme Court on the census question. This is a a major loophole. I was talking about a gap that Trump is marching through on a, on a regular basis or beginning to when it comes to the Supreme court, I've been predicting for a while now that he'd follow Andrew Jackson down this road and, 
and learn that there's nothing anyone can do about the president defying the Supreme Court. Um, how concerned should we be with this? Is I mean, is the bureaucracy well, holding he's, up? He's I mean, stacked we- the court with his lackeys, yeah. uh, and uh, you know, so often the uh, the Roberts Court uh, just. They make the, their decision based on what's best for the Republican Party, mm-hmm. and that's how they decide. And then they work backwards to try to find some legal rationale. And uh, people like Clarence Thomas are openly saying, uh, let's just forget about precedent and just do whatever we damn well feel like. Yeah. Uh, it, it, it's very, very frightening, and I think that when history is written, what uh, Mitch McConnell did uh, to Eric Garland will be seen as one of the great uh, you know, inflection points in American history where uh, the, uh, the the whole uh, where the court itself was subverted for purely political ends, mm-hmm. and, and and McConnell is, is so obvious about this that that's that 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 drives you crazy too. Yeah, I mean, he said all during the 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 uh, twenty sixteen. Oh, there's this great tradition in American history that we don't confirm justices uh, in election years. And then they said, what'll, what'll happen if there's a vacancy next year? He said, we'll confirm them <laughs> just like that. You know, Jesus. it's like, you know, we're hypocrites. We know it. we don't mm. care. Do something about it. So we're also seeing a, a quiet defiance of the president underway, whether it's in the bureaucracy, whether it's among his own staff. Do you think that these things are enough to keep things moving along uh, while Trump is president, or is it going to take a lot more to uh, to resecure the government in a way that it actually functions correctly? Well, uh, a lot of it depends vitally on what happens next year. Yeah. I mean, I think we can get through one term of Trump uh, without doing too much damage, yeah. assuming that we, uh, you know, replace him with somebody who isn't just a get along, go along person and, you know, makes a, a vigorous effort to fix things uh, and and restore what has been lost. But if uh, Trump is reelected, uh, all bets are off. I, I have no idea where he goes from here, uh, given what he's done so far. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, my biggest concern is Trump on election night stepping up to a, a microphone and basically doing what uh, George W. Bush did in uh, 2004 and announcing that he's got all kinds of new political capital and he intends to use it. And that's my kind of yeah, my well, not- <laughs> nightmare scenario, yeah. so to speak. I mean, what do you think uh, is the most dangerous aspect of the Trump presidency? Obviously, we could sit here and list a thousand things and only be getting started with the list. His utter incompetence in yeah. foreign policy and defense is, is is certainly the most frightening thing to me. I mean, his glorification of uh, of uh, the North Korean dictatorship and uh, and he simply has no clue as to what he's doing. That's yeah. that's the most frightening thing, I think. It's not that he's uh, altogether malvolent. Mm-hmm. It's that he, he's just clueless. He, yeah. he's, he's a child playing with matches and sitting on a, a pool of, of gasoline, and he, and he doesn't know it. Yeah. And uh, the people who, who know better uh, are afraid of him. Uh, this is how the Roman Republic was destroyed. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I kind of get the sense that his foreign policy is basically defined by what does this button do? Like, what if we do 
this and just randomly pulls some sort of idea like meeting up with a play date at the DMZ with Kim Jong-un. Well, and what's going on in Iran is very frightening. Yeah. Uh, what's going on with international trade is very frightening. Uh, it, it's all a continuum, you know, mm-hmm. and uh, uh, it, it, it almost doesn't matter which is worse because they're all building on each other. Yeah. And even in, you know, the second tier problem is propping up the first tier problem. Uh, I mean, you might argue that uh, that what's happening with uh, the environment and the way he's just systematically destroying government regulations that yeah. keep our, our air clean and our food safe and things of this sort. Uh, every day you feel like something horrible is going to happen that day. But unfortunately, the guy's just incredibly lucky. <laughs> and, yeah. uh, like I said, uh, he, he, he um, I mean, we haven't, at least I haven't personally suffered from anything he's done yet. Uh, but, uh, I feel like it could happen at any moment. Yeah. That's the thing. We all feel like we're leaning too far back in our chair and it's about to fall. We're about to fall over backwards, but we catch ourselves at the last minute. That's what it kind of feels like to watch the Trump administration in action. And that's what it's felt like for the last two and a half years. But I'll go back to uh, regulation. I mean, because this is something that, uh, is, is not necessarily a centerpiece of what Trump is doing, but it's something that I don't quite understand in terms of maybe there is no understanding of it but for example donald trump wants to uh deregulate things like polluters um he wants to and he already has deregulated mining interests as far as what they can dump into rivers and streams and so on but at the same time he wants to regulate you know the nfl and twitter and sneakers and things like that is there any sense to be made out of that where Government regulation in areas that are frivolous is okay, but government regulations that actually protect people, we can't have any of that. Well, the, it, it, uh, when you're talking about substantive regulations that have meaningful impact, it gets back to whatever the lobbyists want they get. Mm-hmm. Uh, they drive all policy. Nothing is done for the good of the people. It's only done for the good of corporate interests to enrich them. Uh, to to make uh, uh, and and for the personal enrichment of of the people involved, and this other stuff is is just you know red meat for 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 the the the, the Trump constituency yeah. uh, of, of of stupidity and ignorance. It's you know bread and circuses. Yeah. We're going to say the problem isn't that that isn't pollution. It's it's this trivial problem where. Uh, the the problem that, that that Nike is caving in to this this black protester by you know getting rid of sneakers that that have a certain symbol on them, it's it's just really uh, um, P.T. Barnum really. Yeah, yeah. It's it's the same thing that uh, the magicians use uh, to uh, with the pretty girl, so the people are looking at her rather than the sleight of hand mm-hmm. that's going on on the other part of the stage. Uh, and, and it's just sad that people are so stupid that they fall for this. But frankly, you know, and I, and I say this uh, with due consideration to what I'm saying, it's what Hitler did with the Jews. Yeah. He made them the scapegoats for the things that he was doing to divert it, the, the people's attention away from uh, from his warmongering uh, that ultimately uh, caused them all, you know, terrible, terrible uh, uh, problems. 
Yeah, you know, I, I want to go back to Fox News. You mentioned Fox News Channel uh, a while back. And, you know, I, I look at Donald Trump's presidency as the Fox Newsification of the presidency. Basically, Donald Trump is taking Fox News politics, which is purely superficial, purely red meat, without any sort of practical uh, implementation of any of those things. And Donald Trump's using that and weaponizing that and basically making the Fox News ideas his platform. <coughs> How do we win back the guys who've been brainwashed by Fox News Channel, especially uh, in a personal sense, our own family members who we may be interacting with this weekend and so on? How do we draw them back from, you know, obsessing over shows like Life, Liberty and Levin and so on? You know what I mean? Uh, I I think the answer is you can't. You just have to wait for them to die. (laughs) Oh, I'm serious. Uh, <laughs> wow. The, the, the Fox News generation is elderly generation. Yeah. It's people well into their 60s and 70s who 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 don't have the uh, the 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 intelligence, frankly, to to mm-hmm. seek out uh, you know reputable news sources. And but the, the but the younger generation is not into this sort of thing. Hell, they're all cutting the cable yeah. uh, cord, you know, they don't want to, they don't watch cable news. Uh, so I think you just kind of have to hope for the best and, uh, and hope that this generation dies off, that Fox News's uh, ratings uh, fall. Uh, they're already losing uh, uh, advertisers mm-hmm. quite tremendously. Uh, and yet none of the people who, I mean, some of these P- evening shows like Laura Ingram's show and Tucker Carlson, they, they have virtually no advertising on them whatsoever. Yeah. Uh, it's just the uh, public service announcements and things of that sort. So it, it, it's clear that Rupert Murdoch is willing to subsidize uh, the, that part of his network to continue making money mm-hmm. in the other parts where they they continually try to pretend, okay, the crazy stuff is only in the evening when not many people watch. Anyway, during the day we have, oh, uh, who's, who's the Shepard Smith yeah. and he's a really good guy. Mm-hmm. And, you know, he's on for one hour, you know, and he's a little oasis in this, uh, you know, dreck that goes on all day long. Uh, that isn't that much different. Yeah. I mean, Fox and Friends is the worst show there is because Trump watches it. That's right. And he appears to get half of his ideas from it. Mm-hmm. And, you know, at one point, uh, Bruce, you know, back in the day, uh, you worked at Treasury at the same time my dad worked at Treasury. My dad uh, uh, uh-huh. retired in the middle 90s as the uh, acting uh, inspector general there. And, uh, and apparently you guys used to have lunch on occasion. And, you know, one of the points I've made with my dad recently, who is my dad is a, a Fox News viewer. You know, he's in this place, Bruce, where he's asking me, like, I don't know what to believe anymore, Bob. I don't I can't believe the front page of The Washington Post anymore. I can't I just skip over it and go right to the sport, right to the sports section. And, you know, my response to him at one point, uh, we were having lunch. I said, you know what? Get together with Bruce Bartlett again. Go go to lunch. Go have lunch at Silver Diner with Bruce Bartlett. My, my hope is that you would have talked him down from watching that look, stuff to actually explain to I him mean, i mean he's look, a, your father oh, your father's a lawyer he's a, a, an accountant i mean he worked in the inspector general's office yeah that's an office where you go out and you do investigations right. you find the truth that's the whole job of that office mm-hmm. he is better equipped 
than I am to analyze these things. And, 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 and if not, and nothing I'm going to tell him would have the slightest <laughs> impact, I've had to deal with these people in my own life. My mother-in-law is very much into this sort of thing. Yeah. You can't have a civil conversation because they won't admit that anything they don't already believe is the truth. That's right. You, you, you cannot convince them, you know? And all, and you know, I, I, I hate to say this, but like I said, you know, you just have to wait for them to die and go away and, and hope that younger people, uh, a, more, a more diverse population of uh, racially and uh, sexually and other ways uh, uh, diverse people will, will, will just reject that. And yeah. there's every evidence that they do. Uh, but the problem is that the last gasp of the, the, the early baby boomers and, and others are, uh, you know, they, they, they're, they're still, they still vote in heavy numbers. And unfortunately, the younger generation does not. Yeah. Uh, that's really the biggest problem we have to deal with. Would you say your politics have changed or did politics change and you're, you've just been, basically been the same and things have disintegrated? Which, which of those two things would be the truth? Uh, well, both. Yeah. I think they both reinforced a movement of myself uh, from the right to the left. Uh, but I haven't moved as much as people think I have. Uh, so it's partly both things. I mean, I think uh, that uh, anybody who was a moderate Republican as recently as the 1980s would be considered uh, for on the far left today yeah. if they still held those same pol policy positions. Mm -hmm. uh, so so I've, I've partly stayed in one place and partly moved a little bit uh, to the left substantively. Uh, but um, the whole system has just been going to, to, to hell for 10 years, really. The, the rise of the Tea Party was the thing that really frightened me because yeah. these people were, were so obviously had no idea what they were talking about. That's right. They were just ranting and raving. And, uh, you know, they were like the, the, the people with pitchforks and uh, <laughs> roaming the streets of the French Revolution. Yeah. yeah. And uh, fortunately, not, not too many people died, but uh, uh, it's not for lack of trying. They just, I mean, there was the, that, the, that horrible rally down in Charlottesville, mm -hmm. and one of the crazy uh, neo-Nazis drove into a crowd deliberately to try to kill uh, some of the, the counter-demonstrators, and he killed one of them, and now he's going to go to jail for life. Yeah. I just hope Trump doesn't pardon him. Wasn't the Tea Party protest, the, the, the historical Tea Party protest, wasn't that a protest against a, uh, a corporate tax cut? Didn't Parliament vote uh, the British East India Company just a major uh, a cut down to, I think, 0% on imports so that it was undercutting all of the bootleggers and so on who were trying to sell tea in the colonies? Well, probably so. Yeah. Uh, I, I don't re recall very well at this point the, the, the history of the actual Tea Party in, mm -hmm. in Boston Harbor and so on. But I do know that uh, one of the things that, that, that got the right wing to the position it's in is that they have been systematically building institutions uh, for, for decades and uh, the, the, the Koch brothers put millions upon millions of dollars into organizations that had organizers in the field. They paid for a lot of the, the buses that brought Tea Party people to Washington to demonstrate. They, they built the infrastructure 
you see, mm-hmm. that only needed people to 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 come into to existence and become a, a powerful political force. For some strange reason, the people on the left just don't do that. Yeah. They 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 throw all their money into uh, political campaigns, but they won't build organizations that will help their cause uh, on a continuing basis. Yep. Uh, so there, there's a lot, I mean, that's one of the reasons why I can't join the left is I feel like they're a bunch of fools who have no clue as to what they're doing. And, and, and their, 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 their attention is very easily diverted. Uh, they, they spend all their time talking about pie in the sky policies like Medicare for all and a green new deal that have absolutely no possibility of enactment. Uh, and yet at the same time, they have many issues uh, that people are genuinely concerned about that they don't talk about because yeah. it doesn't animate the the rank and file, the people who go out and vote in Democratic primaries. So in a way, what we have is uh, uh, we're, uh, all of us who are not activists are prisoners of the people who are. And you've got maybe you know 10% of the Republican Party that votes regularly in primaries, and they control everything. Yeah. You know, that because all you can do is vote for whoever got the nomination mm-hmm. and you and, and the same thing is going on on the on the Democratic side where you've got a few, a relatively small number of activists who who are very uh, uh, animated by certain issues. And, and unfortunately, some of these issues are, are making it hard for their own party to win the, the election next year. And in fact, in defense of, uh, you know, a position like Medicare for all, I, I think there's an attitude on the left where uh, there's a lot of observation happening in terms of and this is probably a mistake in and of itself. But there's a lot of observation of what's going on on the far right, which is that they're taking this extreme position almost as a negotiation ploy. Like, okay, we're going to take the most extreme position, and then when we come up a little bit short of that, maybe that's more than we would have gotten if we had taken the more centrist uh, position on a, a particular issue. So maybe by approaching Medicare for all with, let's let's do this really extreme thing, maybe we'll get something like the public option, which is what I supported as part of uh, Obamacare in, uh, in 2009, 2010. Well. You know, well, that's the best case scenario yeah. uh, that that we're just in the silly season yeah. of politics by its nature, and that once the uh, the nominee uh, is chosen, that person will you know dismiss a lot of the crazy stuff, develop their own platform, mm-hmm. they uh, emphasize the issues that are most likely to win in the general election, and and a lot of this stuff that's going on today will be forgotten, just as whatever craziness was going on back in 2015, yeah. uh, you know, was forgotten uh, by the general election uh, time. So, uh, that, and, and all we can do is hope for the best because, yeah. you know, we're not running. Uh, nobody cares what we think. Uh, we just have to kind of hope that the system yeah. uh, works. Just out of, just throwing this out there, have you ever thought about getting back into uh, advising some of these candidates? I mean, has this come up at any point in time, or are you just done with all of it? Oh, they they don't ask my opinion. Believe me, <laughs> that's, uh, that's and, a shame. And, uh, yeah, it, 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 that that's you know, uh, I mean, that's their business. Yeah. But uh, but uh, one of the things that I, I observe is that. Uh, 
Democrats really don't want anything to do with anybody who was ever a Republican hmm. at any point in their life. Yeah. And uh, it, it, I, I liken it to you know a small town where one church kind of dominates uh, the, the community and everybody belongs to it, and you leave that church. Yeah. Well, you, you, you don't just it, – it's just not a matter of going someplace different on Sunday mornings. You've cut yourself off from – from 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 the the culture, from the society, from from your friends, uh, and 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 a lot of uh, especially in small towns, uh, a lot of the social life of the community revolves around the church. And now you're no longer invited to any of those events yeah. uh, because you're not one of them. People feel uncomfortable around you because you found something wrong in uh, something that is very important to their lives. Uh, so it's uh, it's very much like that. Oh yeah, I think. Yeah, and in fact, I've been witnessing that firsthand, Bruce, because I've been making a case for a couple of years now that Democrats should make common cause with never Trump Republicans because uh, they're first of all, elections nowadays are won on a couple of percentage points, a couple of two percent here, three percent there, uh, and if you pick up. You know, by teaming up, by forming uh, coalitions with never Trumpers, you pick up those extra two or three percentage points. I mean, why would you walk away from something like that? At the same time, you know, forming a coalition along those lines uh, would go a long way toward creating a workable uh, coalition that could close some of these giant gaps that Trump is exposing in the system. And I think the only way to do that is to get some Republican votes on board as well. But, uh, you know, I've been shouted down on Twitter more than once uh, with that sort of proposal. So I know exactly what you're talking about. Yeah, it's, frustrating. It's, um, yeah it's very, very frustrating to, to feel you have something to contribute, but you have just simply have no way of, of gaining access to, to, to the corridors of power yeah. or, you know, the ears of, of the powerful to, to offer useful suggestions. I just, post things on Twitter. That's the only thing I can, I can do, yeah. uh, at this stage. But, um, uh, and, and of course, you know, I, I mean, I'm getting on in years. I just fear that I won't be able to live long enough to see, um, a sanity return to our, our political system. Just goddamn it. Stay healthy, Bruce Bartlett. <laughs> stay, stay <laughs> well, healthy. I just had a checkup today, so I'm working on it. <laughs> oh, that's great. Well, you know, the other day you weighed in on the Democratic primaries, and I thought your observation was a really salient one. Uh, you said, uh, quote, I think the strongest political argument for nominating a progressive over a moderate is that whoever the Democratic nominee is, he or she will be painted by Fox, Trump, and the rest of the right-wing echo chamber as far, far left, a socialist. A moderate cannot parry these charges except by moving right, which is is going to be disastrous. An experienced uh, progressive will be far better able to respond to right-wing attacks, in, in my opinion. Can you elaborate on that? Well, uh, it, it's just an observation of, uh, of uh, you know, of, of how the political system operates. I mean, think about the difference between uh, someone like Elizabeth Warren, who clearly knows the issues yeah. and can re- and, and is a lawyer and is accustomed to argumentation and and how to uh, to to deal with a, in a debate situation yeah. with somebody like Joe Biden, let us say, who who seems to have no real fixed ideas about anything <laughs> and is very much a, a man of the past yeah. who 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 thinks he can restore a, a situ uh, you know a type of politics. Uh, that died in, you know, 20 or 30 years ago or even yeah. longer. 
And and he thinks, oh, gee, back in the 1970s, we had all these conservative Democrats that I used to work with, and we worked with moderate Republicans. See that I, I can I can do that. Yeah. But the problem is that 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 world is dead. Yeah. It's, yep. You know, uh, gone. You yeah. know, and and I fear that his desire to try to work with Republicans in that kind of way. Uh, is ju- is going to get us into all the same trouble that that got us to where we are, which is Obama had many of those same ideas. Yep. And no matter how much it became obvious to everybody by the end of his uh, presidency that 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 mo- that racism, as much as anything, motivated uh, his his, his uh, the people who hated him. Yep. He was still, you know, oh, this is water off a duck's back. I'm not going to worry about it. They want to block my Supreme Court appointee. Okay, fine. I'm not going to say anything about it or make it an election issue. The Russians want to uh, meddle in our campaign. Mitch McConnell tells me not to. Okay, I won't do it. You know, yeah. it, he was just too easygoing and and. Biden, if anything, is even worse. Yeah. So, I mean, do we really want that? I just fear that even if Biden won, he wouldn't do a goddamn thing yeah. to, to undo so much of what we've talked about uh, today, and and we'll just tinker around the edges and 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 do and spend so much time trying to negotiate with Republicans. He gets nothing done that he, that could have been done if he had simply dove in and 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 tried to you know it's my theory lately bruce that uh the democratic party is going to get demonized as being something that it's probably not for the most part and in knowing that knowing that that's how the approach is going to be from the other side why not just own being democrats why not just take the position where we're not going to apologize for being uh left of center we're not going to apologize for being democrats anymore and just move forward with that strength of mind certainly joe biden's going to face that as you were saying joe biden's going to be called a socialist in the general election if he's not already being called a socialist now despite his positions it doesn't matter what his positions are they're going to but you know that 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 when joe biden is attacked for being a a socialist his his first response is going to be say no I'm not a socialist right. and I'll prove it by telling you all the right wing things that I believe and that I've done yep. uh, during my career mm-hmm. that's the natural way you expect him to react yeah. whereas I think on Elizabeth Warren maybe Kamala Harris uh, others will respond by saying you're goddamn right I'm a socialist I'm a socialist because I believe in Medicare and Social Security and clean air and blah 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 you know and and basically try to to neutralize it by showing that it's just a ridiculous charge rather than trying to pretend that it's that it's something uh, not that it's there's no basis for it yeah and you know you're relatively new to social media but I think that gives you a special insight in terms of how it operates and and what the uh, the weird trends are that go on with social media and so on uh, the other day you referred to Marianne Williamson as a crackpot and you're right of course so and my big concern about Williamson is this in the social media age, the weirdos rise to the top, right? Suddenly we're faced with Williamson bros who love who love how weird she is, right? That becomes a badge of honor. Uh, and before you know it, she's third place in Iowa. Suddenly she rises in popularity and becomes an actual contender. I mean, we in the social media age, we're elevating too many weirdos. See also Donald Trump. Is this another side effect of Trumpism, though? The fringe candidates suddenly feeling like they can more comfortably step out onto the presidential stage than, than it used to be? Oh, I don't think there's any question about that. But, yeah. but what really bothers me 
uh, is that I see people like Beto O'Rourke, you know, running for president, and there's absolutely no reason for him to run for president. Mm-hmm. He has not. He's not going to win. Uh, he really has nothing substantive to offer, but he's 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 got a good chance of maybe getting elected to the Senate. Yep in the state of Texas and taking back the Senate should be as, as high a priority as taking back the White House. So I don't understand why these people, uh, so many of them are running who have no chance whatsoever of winning and are, and, and are sacrificing uh, winnable Senate seats uh, in the process. Mm-hmm. This is what I don't understand. And also one of the things we saw from 2016 is that when you have a lot of people running, uh, sometimes the, the, the crankiest one can rise to the top in a divided field, whereas if it were one-on-one, they wouldn't have a chance. Yeah. I mean, Trump wouldn't have had a chance against, say, Jeb Bush if it was just the two of them. But with 16 or however many candidates they had running in 2016, everybody divided up the vote. Uh, and, and, and among candidates, so there was really very little substantive difference among mm-hmm. So uh, this is the thing I don't understand, and I think I I, 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 I simply don't understand it. Yeah. I don't know why these people are running. I don't under, understand why they're wasting our time, let alone their time. Uh, they they should just, you know, wait for a better opportunity. I oh don't yeah, know. yeah. Well, I mean, again, the idea of electing Donald Trump opens up a huge gateway where. Now, suddenly, presidential elections begin to evolve into what happened with the California recall election. I mean, remember that, where there was like porn stars and dwarves and and Arnold Schwarzenegger and Ariana Huffington. And there was this gigantic conga line of weirdos lining up to become California governor. And my fear is with Trump succeeding and rising up to the presidency. Uh, has basically opened the doorway to that. So where suddenly you have, you know, I mean, he seems like a smart guy, but suddenly you have the mayor of South Bend at the presidential level. I mean, since when can you have a a small town mayor at, at that level? It just seems like that's not, and maybe it's me. I mean, maybe we're just tied down to the traditions of presidential politics that we can't see uh, the evolving state of things. Is it, could it be that? Are we just blinded by tradition or should we open up ourselves to uh to new possibilities well in a part i kind of blame obama because before obama it was sort of there was a system in both parties where you kind of understood what uh you had to have accomplished in life to 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 become a viable presidential nominee and he kind of leapfrogged the whole system I mean, he had just barely been in the Senate for a couple of years, and the next thing you know, he, he's president. And I think he gave a lot of people with very, very little experience in politics and policy the idea that they don't have to wait their turn. They don't need to spend 20, 30, 40 years in politics uh, uh, you know, accomplishing things uh, to, to be able to, to leapfrog the system and, and go straight to the top. And I think that's part of what's drawing these people out is is the belief that lightning can strike twice. If some somebody you know with a, as little known and with as few accomplishments as Obama can win, so can I. Yeah, yeah, that's right. I mean, I feel like I could step in and run for president tomorrow. I haven't done a goddamn well, thing. Well, judging by tr- <laughs> our last two presidents, you probably can. 
Well, I mean, you know, I think it's it's one thing to have a couple of years experience in the uh, in the United States Senate versus. Uh, you know, 12 years of experience hosting a reality show. You know, just a guy who's got a track record of three decades of just being a consummate bullshit artist. I mean, those of us here in the East Coast, we all recognized that this guy lies and this guy's a scam artist and he's mobbed up and all the rest of it. And we all recognize that. But yet there were 62 million American voters. I mean, 40% plus of the American voting population who went... Yeah, why not? Why not that guy? And so now it really starts to take on that there is no bottom or there is no, you know, line at which you have to surpass in order to be uh, regarded as qualified for president. It's just anyone, anyone can do it. It seems like there's a larger cultural thing. So I'm, I'm just wondering if there's something there's some other uh, some other thing that we're not quite seeing and i know this is an exercise that takes place on cable news all the time what are the trump supporters thinking and <laughs> i i'm i'm just desperate to kind of unravel how this started in the process of trying to figure out a way to fix it you know what i mean well you and me both i i i spend every day thinking about this and uh i i keep coming back to the problems of the media because yep. i think that that's has to be fixed for these other things to get fixed, you yeah. see. And, and, and as long as you have situations where every day newspapers are closing, reporters are being laid off, and the few ones that are left uh, with, uh, with jobs feel like they're, they're prisoners of clicks. Yeah. You know, the, it, you know, you're no longer judged by the quality of your work but simply by how many clicks you get, and a, and, and a click for for some story about uh, Kim Kardashian counts just as much as as, as a Pulitzer Prize winning story uh, that that uh, uh, breaks new ground and tells us really important things about public policy. Mm-hmm. And uh, so you've got as long as you have no resources to 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 investigate and publicize. Uh, the things that are going on, uh, and, and as long as the media feel, for whatever reason, that they, they, they're not allowed to take a position and show a true uh, uh, offense, or I, I can't even think of the right word right now, but uh, as, as, as you've probably noted yourself, is it's, it's, it's very hard to, to shame people anymore. Yeah. But we used to know how, how to do it. Uh, I think it's there needs to be an attitudinal change yeah. uh, in the way politics is covered that it should be more like the way sports is covered. I mean, you wouldn't open up the Washington Post and expect them to run negative stories about uh, the Redskins or the Nationals or the the Capitals, mm-hmm. you know, every day, you know, I mean, you, you want to see them, t- uh, you know, support the hometown team and the hometown team, it seems to me, is the Constitution and, and, and the basic government. And you've got to have people who are willing to stand up for that and, and, and oppose the people who are tearing it down, who are destroying it. And I think the American people can, you know, will rally to if if they'll just try to bring out more of what outrages you and me. But they have to do it in a way that gets to people who are not paying as close attention 
as you as I, you and I do. So, uh, and it'll take experimentation. It'll take leadership. Uh, I mean, even the Democratic leadership doesn't seem to know how to articulate uh, the problems w- that they have with Trump. I mean, Charles Schumer and and Nancy Pelosi, you know, they may be fine inside the Senate, inside the House operators in terms of getting legislation passed and things like that, but they, they, they're not going to go on TV and be a counter to, to Trump. That's There's right. nobody out there doing that, and there won't be until the Democratic Party at least has its nominee, but that's more than a year away. Yep. You know, uh, one last question for you, or I was say two more questions for you, Bruce. Um, the first question is, are we just not mature enough? Are, are we not educated enough? Are we not um, uh, prepared enough for the Internet? I mean, my concern is that we've been offered this amazing technology and we can do so much with it. But what's happening is, at least in the political sphere, is it just seems like we're just unable to handle the information where we don't know what's true, we don't know what's false. I'm speaking just in a general sense where people are sharing obviously fake stories and so on, and not in the Trump sense, but in the actual fake news sense. Well, I think I, I think it's a generational problem, or at least I hope it is. Mm-hmm. I think that people who grew up with the Internet have a, a better attitude towards it than, than an older generation, my generation, I'm a baby boomer. Mm-hmm. I think that people my age, you know, grew up with trust in the media. They thought things don't get published in the newspaper unless it's been double checked and we know that it's true. Yeah. But then what happened is the news media, you know, moved on to the internet and people, some, many with, you know, uh, bad motives, uh, but a lot just looking to make a buck realized they could put out things that looked like the New York Times, yeah. the Washington Post. They could have publications that were very well produced techn- technically and, 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 and fool people, frankly, into believing nonsense. And, and, and frankly, you know, many people in my generation are not sophisticated enough mm. to tell the difference. But I think younger people do know the difference. Yeah. Uh, at least that's my hope. Yeah, right, right. In fact, my dad uh, <laughs> my dad still confuses uh, Facebook with email. Like he, th- he thought I was posting Facebook uh, statuses, and he thought I was actually just sending those to him. So he was getting all this anti-Trump stuff, and he was going, why is Bob harassing me with all... <laughs> All of these materials, I didn't. He didn't know. So yeah, I can. I can certainly. Uh, well, I'm grateful that I'm grateful that email didn't and the internet did not exist when I left government. <laughs> and uh, you know, I'm glad it didn't exist at all. That's you right. Know? Uh, we we put things on paper. You know, we use typewriters. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so uh, one the last question for you, Bruce: Are you attending the festivities on the mall tomorrow? No. <laughs> Good for you. Neither am I. That is just going to be an, uh, uh, just a bloody mess. It's going to be a bloody mess from beginning to end. Uh, Bruce Bartlett, it was such an honor to uh, talk to you finally and uh, really appreciate your time today. I can't wait to have you back on. Okay, well, say hello to your dad for me. I will do that, absolutely. And I, I'm telling you, I'm going to try to set up a lunch between you two because I, <laughs> I still think you can talk him down. I still think you can no, do it. No, I don't. All right. <laughs> Thanks so much, my just friend. Just ruin an otherwise nice lunch. <laughs> <laughs> All right, take it easy. Thank you. 
Hey, this is Frangela, and we host The Final Word with Frangela and Idiot of the Week podcast. And if you enjoyed this episode, you'll love our show, where every week we talk about real news, real funny. So come on over and listen to The Final Word with Frangela and find it at sexyliberal.com and on iTunes, Stitcher, TuneIn, and everywhere else you get your podcasts. Look around. You can find cars like these on AutoTrader, like that car riding your tail. Or if you're tailgating right now, all those cars doubling as kitchens and living rooms are on Auto Trader too. Are you working out and listening to this ad at the same time? Well, multitasking pro, cars like the ones in the gym parking lot are for sale on Auto Trader. New cars, used cars, electric cars, maybe even flying cars. Okay, no flying cars, but as soon as they get invented, they'll be on Auto Trader. Just you wait. Auto Trader.